0: Every time you face something in life. I want from today onwards all of us to come to this place that you are already anointed to overcome it. I know some of us, most of us we know this. But I think it's good to have a reminder. When you are facing something, he has already anointed you to overcome it. When you are facing something, don't Run to get anointed at that moment. Release the anointing that's already on you. Can somebody say an amen with some excitement? So sometimes when you face a storm, you're looking to go and get a fresh anointing. But God is like, hey, I've already anointed you for this. And he's actually saying, now get up and go use it. But we don't know sometimes who we are. And we're running For the anointing to find us. But he's already saying that oil is on your head. Can we decree and declare tonight over ourselves? The anointing oil is already on my head. I'm talking on all of your behalf and everybody on the Zoom. That anointing is already on me. Lord help me to work through it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know the best part about an oil is it only comes out when it is squeezed. You know, it's an olive tree here. An olive cannot go where the olive oil can go. That means sometimes certain level of crushing and pressure is good because something good is going to come out of it. So don't despise your storms. Okay, you're anointed for your battle. Okay, now let's get back to what I was covering. So there are certain limitations in our life found because we accommodate it. You know what is accommodating? You and I, somewhere you have said, this is okay. Sometimes, we as the Lord's people, we are not desperate enough in certain areas. Ask all great men and women of God who walked in revival. They were hungry to an extent where they were called crazy. They desired the supernatural where everybody said, you are cuckoo. And they said, no, I know God can do this. So there has to be a level of desperation and hunger in a life which has to be beyond normal. It's not bad. It has to become our new normal. There are few accommodations we do in our life. Can I talk about few accommodations that we constantly do, which actually stops the anointing from flowing in our life. Okay, let me put it like that. There are certain accommodations, meaning certain agreements, and certain it's okay that we come make an accommodation in our life, which actually hinders the anointing to flow from us. What are those? Two weeks ago, I spoke something about John the Baptist, and I said... He was the prophet of the prophets. He saw, heard but he couldn't do anything because he was offended with Jesus. And he doubted Jesus. And that offense and doubt and rejection became such a trap in his head that his head ended up on a platter. That's very scary. Even though he was the one he was the first prophet to see the Holy Spirit in the form of a doubt. The first one to hear heavens open and the Tao come down and the father saying this is my son. He he was the one there hundred on hundred. But because of offense, doubt and rejection what he felt. Because his expectation of Jesus was not met. Some of us when the expectation of God we have in a certain way doesn't happen. We get offended with God. Because John the Baptist was expecting Jesus would come and open the prison for him. But Jesus was actually with him in the spirit in the prison. And he was waiting for John the Baptist to operate not only in the spirit but in the power of Elijah so he can walk out of the prison. But he couldn't do it. Why? I'm just recapping. Because offense short-circuited him. Doubt in the Lord short-circuited him. Let's just pray right now and say, Lord, offense... Doubt and, and, and unbelief will not be found in my heart in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's take everybody two minutes and just blast out with prayer and say, hey, No unbelief, no offense, no spirit of rejection in my heart will be found against the Lord. Lord, we rebuke that spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. We give no room to offenses. We give no room to doubt which short circuits our calling in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, let's talk about the enemies we accommodate, okay? Enemy number one. Discouragement and disappointment. I know it sounds very normal. You know, it sounds like, you know how when you get a headache, you take a Tylenol and the headache is gone? In the same way, for me, it feels like discouragement and Has become like that in the body of Christ. It is not absent. It is ever present. Like a headache comes and goes. You know sometimes we are on the mountaintop. We are so happy. We are so joyful. Something happens. We hit a disappointment. And down we go. Discouraged. And I have struggled with it too. The only difference now is. If I'm ever discouraged like that in the past, if I ever get discouraged now, I don't take three days to get up from it, and I feel that's progress, right? (laughs) Don't tell me none of you get discouraged. It's okay. I, I I cheer you on, but this is the truth. If something you you expected something didn't happen your way, and that discouragement, that Incident can cannot become a part of your life. Huh, can I say it better? How can I say it better? An incident should not become a milestone in your life. Can somebody say an amen? Some people's discouragement has become a banner or a, or like a milestone. No, don't make an incident an event in your life don't make one small thing this is what is going to happen for the rest of my life no it is not going to happen you learn from it you change from it in fact you become more powerful because you went through it can somebody say an amen Amen. discouragement is such a weapon of the enemy which, which quenches the anointing that's in you can i give you an example i want to talk examples right this is all that came to me like I, I, I'm just going to give it to you. Because I want to be faithful to the voice of God this afternoon. Elijah was discouraged. Right? Elijah had the greatest victory. He slew 400 prophets of Baal. He took morning till evening with a sword. He hacked them how many of you have hacked a chicken <laughs> 400 of them no no i'm just, just saying Four, and, and this is not funny he he hacked them slay them it was not a great good looking scene it was uh, it was crazy and and then he's he's done this and then one message comes from Jezebel, she sends a messenger. Next thing he says is, 1 Kings 19 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Oh, this is King James Version. Let me change it to ESV. Okay. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. The moment this messenger gave this message to Elijah, you know what's his reaction? Verse 3, Then he was afraid and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And he goes into suicidal mode. And this is the prayer Elijah the prophet after slaying 400 false prophets. This is what the man of God who called down fire from heaven. This is what he prays. You want to see what he prays? But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. So next time you find a broom tree... Don't sit there. Now I know why they make brooms, and it's called a broom. Okay, it was a joke if you didn't get it. A broom tree. Okay, he sits under a broom tree. In other version, it says a juniper tree. He sat under a broom tree and he asked, and he asked. Everything in Elijah's life was through the prophetic, he would speak out of his mouth. And the same prophet says, and he asked that he might die. Saying, this is this is what he saying, said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my fathers. Wow. Elijah the prophet is saying, Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my fathers. Who told you, Elijah? I want you to put yourself in this prophet's shoes right now, okay? He had amazing victory. But now he's saying he wants to die. And his reason is I'm no better than my father's. I'm here to decree and declare tonight That you are better than anybody else in your generation and your family line in the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and declare I am better than anybody else in my family line and in my generation in the name of Jesus. Can you you begin to open that and confess in your mouth? Because you are not where you came from. You are what you are going to. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout an amen? Yes, you came from this. You had these struggles, but that is not what you're living in. You're going somewhere. Hallelujah. If you are under a prophetic grace and you know the prophetic, you're not stuck there forever. And you thinking you're stuck there forever is a lie. Can I say that to somebody on Zoom? That's a lie. You're going somewhere because you're walking with the Lord. The lie that Elijah entertained was, I am no better than my father's. Now that that leads me to ask, what did Jezebel's messenger tell him? There was something that the demonic spirit that Jezebel sent, her messenger, did to Elijah. That spirit made him believe in a lie that he was no better than his father's and he was the only one that was left. You will see later on, something that happens. Elijah goes into depression mode because he's discouraged, right? And he keeps on walking, walking, walking. And then in that chapter, 1 Kings chapter 19, you will see verse 10. He makes a statement to God. I want you to look at this statement. He said, if you found it, 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 10. He said... I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. Now watch this. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I want you all to see this. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. This was what Elijah told God. That he was the only one that was left. And they seek to take his life away. And he repeats the same statement as an answer to God. When God asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Meaning God looked at Elijah and said, what are you doing here? This is not the place and the space for you to be physically, spiritually, emotionally and mentally. But God is finding him in that specific space where God is asking the prophet, what are you doing here? He didn't say, hey, awesome, I'm finding you here. God is actually questioning Elijah's discouragement and he's saying, what are you doing here? Maybe God is asking some of you this question if there is a discouragement in your heart. He's saying, what are you doing here? And just like Elijah, maybe your answer is, I'm alone. I have no help. And I'm no better than others. You know what's God's answer to him at the end? Of course, God takes Elijah's assignment and gives it to another person. He divides it to three people. Elijah's assignment. But this is what he says in verse 18. I have 7,000 in Israel. That are not bowed their knees to Baal. And every mouth that has not kissed him. Wow. There were 7,000 people. And yet he thought he was the only one. What a lie. My goodness. So this tells me that there was a lying spirit. That Jezebel sent towards Elijah. To lie into his heart that he was alone. He was not better than his father's. And he had no future left. So, this is what I want to tell you. If you are discouraged in an area in your life which is not allowing the anointing to flow. It is because there is a lie that you have entertained and accommodated. So, the antidote for that is you have to break that lie. And then you will come out of the discouragement and the anointing will flow. Hallelujah. So the number one thing I want all of us to do is we have to learn early in life that the call of God in your life has assistance. Okay? You're not alone. The assignments that you have, God has provision for it. The storms that you face, He has anointed for you to overcome them. And the assignments that you're going to take, you're never alone. And the third and the most important thing, you're better than your fathers. Don't look at their failures and say, I will have the same. No, you are better than that. If you will believe this, you will break the discouragement. Amen. Or else we are going to believe that lie And even though we might be anointed like Elijah, we're going to short circuit our calling by saying, we are not good than my fathers. No, tonight we decree and declare we are better than the others because the Lord is with me and he has anointed me to overcome and overtake and I will come out of this in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to show you one more thing there. Discouragement is I said like, like a headache, everybody gets it now and then. But you got to always ask, what is causing this discouragement? What is the lie behind it? What is the assumption behind it? What am I partnering with? What am I accommodating with it? What is it that is killing my identity in it? If you don't do that um, investigation, the discouragement will have power over you. But the moment you Investigate and dissect it. You will know. No. I am anointed. I am better than this. And this storm is not the absence of Jesus. I am coming out of this. And I am not alone in this. He's given assistance for my assignment. That way. You will actually overcome that discouragement. If not. It will lead to the next point. You know what that is? Any discouragement you go through. Can translate itself as your disappointment towards God. That he never came to your help. Look at this. Elijah. This is what I wrote down. Your disappointment with people should not make it towards God. As him disappointing you. Elijah's what was his problem? He was like I'm alone. Nobody is supporting me. Nobody is standing with me. Nobody is backing me up. That lie made him think now that disappointment translated saying that you now God has disappointed me in it and what did God say yet there were 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to a bow so he, this is what I want to tell you if God has given you an assignment he's already given you divine assistance and provision for it don't go by thinking it is not there it is very much present As prophetic as Elijah was, he did not locate those 7,000 people. Wow. So as prophetic as we are all, in your discouragement, do not come to the conclusion that God is disappointing you. I want you to say, this is not God's disappointment towards my life. I am going to come out of this in the mighty name of Jesus. So now on, this is the number one weapon against the anointing, discouragement. When you're discouraged, even if you have a sword, you will not use it. Elijah could call fire from heaven, and now he's sitting under a broom tree. You know, there is one scripture which challenges me. I need, I think I have to search it. The way God looks, okay? I'm hearing this plow shares. What is plow? Can somebody spell it for me? P-L-O. And plow shares. See, I am I'm doing a search now. Okay, now, wow! You know God is with us right now, okay? I heard a word plowshares and I typed it. See, I typed plowshares and I got it, okay? Joel 3.10, beat your plowshares into swords. This is God's perspective. And your pruning hooks into spears. He's talking to farmers, right? fishermen or farmers okay you know he's talking to ordinary people god is saying beat your plowshares into swords i don't even know what's a plowshare i'm sorry what is it is it a rake huh okay i don't even know what that means but wow okay Okay, plow, oh, okay, okay, it's like the ox. They, okay, beat your plowshares into swords. He's saying, whatever that is with your hands, make it into a weapon. I want you and I want me and I want all of you to declare whatever is in my hands under the anointing Ay-ay-ay-ay. becomes a weapon in my hands when God is with me. Can somebody shout an amen? Come on, Do you, I want you to make it your declaration whatever is under my anointing can become a weapon to kill the enemy you can say i'm nobody but this is what god is saying beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears this is what the third sentence says let the weak say in my version it says i am a warrior Come on, everybody, people on Zoom, let the weak say, he's not saying, let the strong say, I'm a warrior. Let the one who's trained in war, let him say, I'm a warrior. No, no, no. The Bible is saying, let the weak one, let him say, I am a warrior. Mara in the mighty name of Jesus, we decree and declare discouragement has no portion in us. We shall beat our plowshares into swords. We shall beat our pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am a warrior in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody celebrate that? People on Zoom, can you celebrate that? It doesn't matter what you're going through, but I want you to declare it in the name of Jesus. The weak say, I am a warrior. Not the trained ones, not the soldiers. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Wow. Wow. See, that means your boldness at the face of discouragement will release your anointing. Wow. And your assistance. You know, I believe if Elijah had seen it, the 7,000, he would have gathered them too. Maybe, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Maybe those 7,000 were constantly being encouraged by the exploits of Elijah. Do you agree? Maybe the 7,000 in the caves, in the closets, wherever they were in the hiding, they heard about this mighty man of God, Elijah, and they said, this man of God is bringing down fire. This man of God is doing signs and wonders. They were actually looking at him as a superhero. And he says, I am alone. Oh, let us never be deceived that we are alone. God has assistance for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the midst of your discouragement, look for God's assistance and beat your plowshares into sword from today onwards in the name of Jesus. And let you and me, we will declare and declare. Let the weak say, I am strong in the mighty name of Jesus.